This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, joined as always by my co-host, the intrepid uh, fellow senior writer, Dan Murphy. How are you? I'm doing well. The intrepid traveler with the, uh, been losing my voice for the past couple of days. I've been uh, sleep deprived, but uh, I'm, I'm here for another podcast and let's make it work. <laughs> yes, yes. You are the, the original uh, road warrior. And uh, also on the line uh, with us this week, we're going to be talking a lot about independent wrestling. So I thought I'd get a guy who is synonymous with independent wrestling, uh, a veteran of the, the Northeast indie scene here. Uh, Papadon, how are you? The Greek God. I'm doing well. How's everybody going? How's everyone doing? Good, good. And I'm, I'm going to uh, kind of break kayfabe uh, for a moment. What's for- that? For for as evil a heel won. as Papadon is, uh, he is known to visit the occasional uh, Cub Scout den, <laughs> and I had, I called it a favor. I had him come and visit uh, Pac three sixty seven, the Tigers, my group, and uh, couldn't have been a nicer guy. Brought autographs, uh, autograph photos for everybody, personalizing them, taking pictures with the boys, talking about nutrition and fitness. So that's some uh, some heel for you. Yeah, well, you know what. You can't be a heel 24-7, and when it comes to the kids, you got to be nice. You know, it's all about the kids. Yes, yes, and that's when we talked about uh, having you here on the podcast. So, um, as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be talking kind of all things uh, indie uh, this week, and uh, I think we got just the right guy uh, for an interview at the end of our conversation here. Uh, earlier today, I talked to a guy who is is at the forefront of what is arguably the most successful independent wrestling promotion uh, of certainly the last 20 years, Ring of Honor. And I'm talking about uh, Ring of Honor heavyweight champion, the American Nightmare, Cody, the former Cody Rhodes. And Ring of Honor's got its biggest show uh, of the year coming up here in New York, Final Battle, where Cody's going to be defending the title against uh, Dalton Castle. And uh, we talked about that. We talked about, um, you know, his, his transition from uh, working uh, in WWE to this kind of second chapter of his career uh, on the independent scene. And uh, his his latest venture goal has made a lot of news over the last week. And that's the talk of, of him personally bankrolling along with the, uh, the Young Bucks, a 10,000 seat arena a show sometime in 2018 uh, we talk a, a lot about his vision for that and uh, why the time is right for that kind of thing so uh, stay tuned uh, for that in just a moment uh, right now let me tell you a bit about the latest issue of pro wrestling illustrated it is available now uh, the february 2018 issue uh, features braun Strowman on the cover and braun is the subject of a, a 60 minute hot seat interview uh, inside that i conducted with him uh, lots more in this issue we've got the 10th annual pwi Female 50, which is a list of the top 50 women wrestlers in the world. Certainly uh, a a lot of women from the uh, American indie scene in there. And uh, what else is in this issue? Let me go through the table of contents here. Uh, Speaking of Dalton Castle, I've got a feature uh, about Dalton, um, an interview I conducted uh, with him. Hope hope to have the uh, audio from that here in the podcast in the coming weeks. Uh, We've got features on Jinder Mahal. 
uh, on Neville and uh, so much more. Another uh, fantastic issue. And the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com. You can uh, buy the one issue or download the digital edition. Or um, if you want to uh, really get the most bang for your buck, subscribe. Uh, the longer you subscribe for, the deeper the savings. You get half off the cover price. Uh, before you know it, uh, the the year in wrestling issue, which is one of the biggest issues of the year, uh, that we're just putting the finishing touches on right now, uh, that's going to be out uh, before long. And if you subscribe now, you can guarantee having it in your mailbox. Uh, and it is uh, that's a big one. Uh, all our year-end achievement awards and look back on 2017. Uh, Harry Burkett and I just uh, wrapped up doing the the top 10 stories of the year and and what a newsworthy of the year it was. Uh, if you want uh, a collector's edition really recapping uh, a real newsworthy year in 2017, uh, you definitely want to subscribe. Make sure that you get it. Uh, again, pwi-online.com. Uh, of course, you could pick up the the uh, print edition. That's what we do here. Uh, but also, we have a fantastic digital edition that is customized for your uh, mobile device or your computer, what have you. And uh, what's more, uh, that comes out a couple of weeks earlier than the print edition. Uh, so uh, that is a nice little perk. Again, pwi dashonline.com. Uh, please give us a look. Uh, you can listen to the podcast there. Uh, you could also follow us on Twitter at official PWI. You can find us on Facebook. You can send us an email here, PWI podcast at outlook.com. And uh, also uh, go through the archives of the podcast. Dan, I think uh, maybe to the day, this is our third anniversary of the podcast. Is it really? Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The time went by. That's, I know. Uh, Three years. Yeah, we 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 uh, <laughs> we made it through. That's good. What it was? Is it the was it the paper anniversary? Do I have to get you some kind of? I, don't <laughs> I think know. we're up to like cardboard or maybe wood or something like that. I, yes. I'm not giving you. I'm wood. not asking I you. Don't for know. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're. Yeah. I don't know what you're insinuating. Three years is uh, in any case. Yes. Anyhow. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, most weeks uh, in, in those three years, we're, we're here talking a lot about uh, WWE, and and that's just the reality of, of this being uh, the wrestling business. But uh, with things slowing down a little bit, a little bit of a down period right now in between big shows, uh, I thought it'd be a good time to talk about things not WWE. And um, as I mentioned, Ring of Honor's got a big show coming up. Uh, Impact Wrestling is just coming off of, of their biggest show of the year, Bound for Glory, and they're also been in, in the news a lot as of late with the, the launching of the Global Wrestling Network. There's some news today about uh, some new executive appointments with Don Callis and um, Scott Demore. Yep, and uh, you know, there's been some bad news, uh, the, the, the folding of, uh, what is it, Flow Slam, which was thought to be a, a good vehicle for independent wrestling. So, you know, it's been a, a really newsworthy year for, for the independent wrestling scene. Uh, Papadon, I'll, I'll begin with you. There is a thought that this is kind of the the uh, the glory days of independent wrestling. Um, certainly the, the most opportunities in a long, long time to be an independent wrestler. Uh, what's your experience? You've, you've been at this now for what, 15 years? 18. 18 years. And how yeah. how does the current climate compare uh, with with what you've experienced over those past eighteen years? Um, to say that it's not an opportunistic moment right now would be an understatement. It would be a lie, actually. I mean, there's always opportunity out there. It's really up to the individual who uh, 
wants to take the initiative to uh, to thrive and go after that opportunity. I mean, you have a lot of guys nowadays that learn uh, the craft at a wrestling school or uh, or attend a wrestling school and never finish learning everything or the fundamentals, but they can do a moonsault or a 450, so they think they're a superstar. And they go out there and they try to market themselves and they wait for opportunity to come to them. Um, that's the wrong way to go about it. I mean, this is independent wrestling. Uh, there's no contracts. That's why it's independent wrestling. We get paid per, per gig, just like, a like any, you know, garage band or independent rock band or whatever the case may be, or freestyle artist or whatever, you know, it's entertainment, and you have to go make the most of it. There are a lot of companies out there that are doing well. There's a lot of good companies, but there's also a lot of bad companies that unfortunately don't do not bad business. They just don't do things the right way, and that's because they're not either good business people or they just emulate what they see on TV, and they think that they're going to be the next Vince McMahon, which is never going to be the case. I mean, that's just the actual facts. Unless you have money like him and you have a, a a pedigree and a track record like him, you're not going to be him. So that's the end of that. But as far as great wrestling companies, I was just in California this past weekend. I mean, you just said the 50 top women wrestlers in PWI. And uh, I was working a show on Saturday night for AWS um, in Cali. And uh, they were doing a, did a the Rise show, with, show, right? Yes. The Rise, Rise Stardom, yes. yeah. And uh, they, I would tell you that from top to bottom, the show itself was phenomenal. Every match was awesome. And it was a cool vibe. Everyone was chill. There was no egos. Everybody was watching the matches, rooting for everybody. And the women, you know, all the women that was there with the, for the Rise promotion, they were tremendously talented. They looked professional. They act professional. They presented a professional style of wrestling. Um, it wasn't something where you would see in a backyard or somebody's play wrestlers, which is a big pet peeve of my of, of me. Uh, you know, there's a big difference, unfortunately, between a wrestler and a play wrestler. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know, we wrestled the show and had a great time. I mean, uh, the crowd was hot all night, packed place, and uh, you know, I wrestled um, Brody King, tore the roof off the place. Had the palm eating, I had the crowd eating out of the palm of my hand, got booed out the building like a heel should. Wasn't trying to be a cool guy, you know? Well, I'm a traditional heel, you know, I'm sorry. But, uh. Was there, was there by chance, you know, was there a Papa John, a Papa John chant by chance at all? <laughs> no, but that guy, I did, I did, I did get a Greek yogurt sucks chant, so. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. You know? That's great. The, you know, they're lucky they didn't say anything bad about John Stamos. They talk about my buddy John Stamos, then the gloves come off. Sorry, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was going to say, you, you, no, you, you raised a good point about yeah. the um, good indie wrestling now, right, uh, has has really taken a step up. I remember going to indie shows years ago, and you touched on it. I remember going to some shows. You probably worked some of these shows, like in Franklin Square at the, the local firehouse. And uh, I, I mean, there. it was as as low rent as you could get. And, um, yeah, you know, this is when kind of the tail end of like the ECW garbage wrestling area era and guys who just looked like crap, really out of shape, just, you know, hitting each other with the, the light tubes and all that. And now uh, I think the, the, the standard has risen so much that, you know, like a promotion that you work a, a lot out of NYWC, you've got your own building. They've got, you know, um, production. They've got the screen. They've, you know, and, and this is not 
you know, like like the, the big leagues, but a a promoter with uh, even a semblance of, of credibility and professionalism can put to put out a a pretty sleek package, right? D- Dan, you just came off seeing a bunch of shows over the weekend. Is that your experience now that at the high end indie wrestling uh, is, is a lot sharper than it's been uh, maybe ever? I don't know about ever, but yeah, I, I think generally speaking, yeah. And, and there's pockets of good and bad and ugly. Um, Friday night, I drove with uh, Caitlin Diamond, a, a female wrestler out of Ontario. Uh, she had just returned from a 30-day run in China. Uh, she was over there for a month wrestling against uh, Pollyanna, a girl uh, from Wales, uh, six days a week for a, at a casino in, uh, I forget the name of the town in China, Macau, that's, that's what it was. Uh, she got back from that, had about a day to uh, adjust, and then I picked her up and we drove out from uh, western New York to Waterbury, Connecticut for NEW, for Northeast Wrestling. Uh, and it, it's funny that you had Cody uh, on, the, you, you know, the, we're going to play that interview later, but he headlined there and Jack Swagger was there and Ric Flair had been uh, scheduled but had to pull out. Um, and they had, I would say, a conservative guess of, of 700 fans there, That's which is huge for an yeah. independent, you know? The oh, next absolutely. night, I, I, I drive back with uh, Caitlin. We go up to St. Catharines, Ontario for Crossfire. Um, again, a, a very strong promotion, but they might have had 80 or 90 fans. Mm-hmm. And it's not that, I mean, they had Cody Dean around the crowd in the, the show. They had Congo Kong. They had some other, uh, Ty, uh, Tyler Turva, uh, some very talented wrestlers who were on that. But, you know, one fed just because of where it's located in the crowd they gather, you know, that they get 700. The other one gets a fraction of that. But top to bottom, in, in terms of work rate and, and, so much better than it was years ago where you'd have to sit through five cringeworthy matches yeah. to get one or two very good ones. Uh, and then, you know, I from agree. there, I went up from there. I went up to Toronto on Sunday for smash wrestling. Uh, they did their annual Canusa tournament women's show um, team Canada versus team USA. And, you know, some of those girls were over in California for uh, the, the rise show. So we had like cheerleader, Melissa, Mercedes Martinez, uh, there might have been one more on that flight, but oh, well, Gal Kim came in too. So, um, you know, that, that's the thing that's kind of really neat about, about uh, and Papa Don touched on it before, but there are a lot of opportunities and you can't wait for them to come to you. But if you get in the car and you make those connections and you hustle, there's a lot of work to be had. You just need to make sure that you're lifting your game because everybody else is and the bar is a lot higher than it's ever been. And and I think uh, a, a lot of it is that there's more optimism about uh, the the potential for for even these smaller shows to lead to something, right? Because you see uh, now WWE working with Evolve and having the WWE Network, which is this whole new platform to show acts that uh, otherwise wouldn't get ed- any exposure. And, and I mean, you saw it in the Cruiserweight Classic. Uh, last year, you see it every week in, in NXT, and then you see it with a lot of uh, women in the in the May Young Classic uh, this year. These are women, women and and men in other cases uh, that are not signed to WWE, um, who are they're basically independent uh, wrestlers getting TV time on WWE, and and there's this pipeline, this direct pipeline that there's uh, never been before. D- do you sense that, Papa Don? That there's there's more of an attitude of uh, again, th- this is could be a step to the big leagues because years ago, uh, and you you know this, you've been at this a long time. 
you know, that lottery ticket, right, to get to WWE, there were very few of them and and uh, very few opportunities to, to be that guy. Well, unfortunately, uh, you know, not not to see all doom and gloom, but to be, to, if you want me to be 100% honest with you guys, professional wrestling, uh, you don't have to be the best wrestler to be successful, unfortunately. It's not based on talent. A lot of it is based on luck. I mean, reason being is, uh, you know, at, at one point in time when uh, certain people were in the office, they were only hiring guys who were six foot four or six foot three or six foot five, and they didn't need to know a headlock or ever taken a fall in the ring or even been in the ring. As long as they had some kind of look or whatever the case may be, that's what they were doing. I mean, in my opinion, at the time, it was job security for the office because Vince liked big guys. So if they brought big guys to Vince, they were doing their job. Their jobs were safe. Um, that kind of backfired because. For one Randy Orton that was successful, you got 10 or 20 Heidenreichs that came out. Yep. And uh, not, not, not to say anything bad against Heidenreich, I don't know the guy, but, I mean, let's face it, facts are facts. And, um, you know, it wasn't working out. Now, because they ended up bringing certain guys in, like a Daniel Bryan and like a CM, initially they were the guys who started breaking the ice for the indie guys. Mm -hmm. And then they, br they brought in guys like, you know, AJ Styles and, you know, uh, Samoa Joe and, you know, Bobby Roode and Dane Austin Aries and Kevin you know, Owens, uh, yeah. Kevin Owens, Bobby Fish, Elton mm -hmm. Miracle, or Sami Zayn, you know, it's, it's definitely a gateway. And, I mean, let's face it, you, you, when you're on the independence, you know, you wrestle a certain way. You go out there and you try to be the brightest star on the show, you know, which isn't always the proper thing to do. I had this conversation over the weekend, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. Uh, Ring of Honor, for example, uh, there's a lot of things I like about Ring of Honor. There's some things I personally don't like because everybody does get their stuff in in almost every match. It's just kind of a style of wrestling I don't really like. The thing is, people look at some people look at Ring of Honor and say, wow, it's a breeding ground for all these future WWE guys. You're, you're Daniel Bryan, you're Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, all those guys that you said. But it's important to show that other than AJ, and who, who is not really a Ring of Honor guy. He's, you know, he's more associated with Impact or TNA. But all those other guys had to go through developmental to kind of unlearn some of the things that they were doing in Ring of Honor. Because, you know, yeah, they, they can do the moves, they can execute, but this is the way we're telling stories, and you have to hone that, and that's what NXT is allowing them to do. So they're, they're picking up Absolutely. the skill set, and WWE is taking it to that next level and helping get rid of some of that Ring of Honor or indie stuff that's that's kind of pervading the marketplace now. Yeah. Could I could I say something real quick? Sure. Okay. I say this all the time to to young up and coming wrestlers. And again, wrestling wrestling is like ice cream. It's different flavors. There are some people like chocolate, some people like vanilla, some people like strawberry. There's a difference between wrestling in front of a crowd and working for an emo for a reaction or a quote unquote pop, or working to get older. You know, I go out there. I don't care. The people, the moves don't matter. Like the match what I had with, with Brody King. Brody King's six foot eight. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm six foot with my boots on. So uh, we went out there. There's obviously a visual difference. And I mean, let's face it. It's not rocket science. We played David and Goliath. I was the smack talking heel that every time I thought something was going to go my way, I would charge and then slip on a banana peel and backpedal and you know, do what I have to do. And then when the opportunity presents itself, take advantage of the situation. And then when he's down, I'm the king of the world, you know, and that's basically all that I did. And we told a story 
and the people were unglued of the seats. They were booing me out of the building and got the loudest reaction in the night. Not to say no one else didn't get reactions. Everyone did fantastic. But, again, we were match number seven. There were six matches before us going from 12 minutes to 20 minutes each. They've done seen everything oh. that you could possibly see. Yeah. But still to get a good reaction on the way we did and leave the people at the edge of the seat and everyone at the end of the night coming up to Brody and myself saying it was an amazing match and they, that's all they were talking about. It's a compliment to both of us because we did what we do best. We told the story. We did it right. We built the match. We built each other and we got each other over. At the end of the night, we were over. Not the move that he beat me with or a move that I did because the moves didn't matter. We mattered. The the other extreme you get to is uh, sort of the WWE style, which you can argue, it, you know, they, they are the best at, at the, the ebbs and valleys of, of laying out a wrestling show. But they take guys, you look at their cruiserweight division, who can do so much and uh, uh, kind of tame that down so much they just kind of put their thumb on it to the point that those guys really feel held back so you know there is such a a, a thing as independent wrestling style right and and at its best i guess uh you know you could go overboard you do see the, the these matches yeah you know I, I think tna became famous for them in their exhibition matches these matches that are nothing but high spots uh but also you can't take too much out of that Right, I mean, Dan, can you talk about that sweet spot of of what a a good indie wrestling match looks like? Well, for me, it, it depends because you, if you're looking at one match in and of itself, fine. Um, but like like Papa Don said, you, you build a show, and there are matches that can be. I mean, for example, NEW, I was really impressed with Northeast Wrestling, and a lot of times I go to indies, and I'm not, I'm more often unimpressed than than impressed. Because I'll think, why did they do it this way? Why did they structure this? Why did they? NEW did everything just the way I would have done it. They, they had a ladder match, uh, and they brought the crowd back down with uh, Jake Manning, the, the man scout Jake Manning, against somebody else. And they did this kind of comedy match with some grappling. And after the crowd was really high with uh, the kingdom in this ladder match, uh, they, they brought them back down to bring them back up for the main event. So you've got, like, Jake Manning, and I forget his opponent's name, they know their role on that show. Their role is to keep the crowd engaged. Don't lose the crowd, but bring them down to, you know, a, a less high spot um, type match because you have Flip Gordon going over in the main event in the match with Cody and, and everything else. And the whole show was like that, uh, you know, tag team match opened and then slowed down. you got the women's match in there that offered something a little bit different. And, and so in terms of the sweet spot, but there's no sweet spot, in my opinion, for an independent match unless you look at where it's at, at the, on the card and, and what, it's set to, uh, what it's set to accomplish. Yeah. And then you have to grade it by that criteria. Yeah. Let, let me ask you both uh, about uh, one promotion that we brought up a couple times here. You know, you, Dan, you talk about going to these indie shows and, and crowds of 700. You know, Ring of Honor is doing some of their, their biggest crowds um, ever now. I mean, regularly drawing... 1,500, 2,000 people, and again, the, this talk of uh, a 10,000-seat arena show that it's not totally clear whether it would be officially Ring of Honor branded, but certainly would feature a lot of Ring of Honor talent. Then you've got Impact Wrestling, which for forever, uh, for a long time, was considered the number two. At, at one point, they were drawing 2 million people uh, on, on television. They had 
you know, some big names and and they were a, a you know, a distant number two, but they were strong number two uh, for a while. They ran some uh, house shows here in the Northeast um, over the summer. I went to one of them in uh, Staten Island. And when I tell you there was maybe 250 people there and and maybe that's being generous and and you know a lot of the people there dan right i mean they, they've got some talented independent wrestlers there uh more now than in past years as you know budget cuts has forced them to to reduce uh talent costs uh but and and they've got some quality wrestling uh but it's just not connecting what, what is wrong with impact's formula right now well that's I mean, in a 45-minute podcast or so, I wouldn't be able to do all of that. But, yeah, but yeah it, it's it's definitely in the transitional phase now. Um, yeah. it, it's just the company is, is – they need to do something, and uh, they're scrambling. Maybe Callis and Demore is the first step to rebuilding it, but uh, they've got a steep, steep climb because they've dug themselves into such a pit through the years. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, at least part of the answer for them could be in the independent – wrestling scene and they've got some 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 indie guys there who are very talented but what but you you look at the top of that card and and with as uh depleted a a roster not depleted of talent but depleted of of stars as they have um they are still leaning on like the last two former you know the wwe refugees uh to headline their shows i mean they're, they're building now around alberto and and bobby lashley who are two super talented heavyweight you know main event star wrestlers but you know what the upside is there you you know you know what those guys um, bring to the table and and neither of them are going to move the needle versus you know what if you took that money and you signed a ricochet um or you really seriously went after a will osprey i i'd have to think that you know any hope that they they uh, could have of creating some real buzz would be in those kinds uh, of names. Do you agree with that, Papadon? Uh, yes and no. Um, and I'll tell you why. Um, the two guys you mentioned are very talented, and uh, I'm fans of both of them. I mean, they 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 uh, um, they know what they do and how to do it well. I mean, a lot of people give them a lot of slack because that New Japan match. Mm-hmm. I think if they slowed it down a couple of steps and sold a little more. It would have meant a lot more, but I thought the match itself was okay. It was good and fantastic. Certain spots were fantastic. Certain times, whatever. Again, that's my flavor of ice cream. I like realism in my wrestling. Um, But I don't think it's one or two guys. I think the answer for impact uh, is to go back to a four-sided ring. Um, I don't think the six-sided ring is working. So rebrand starting with the ring. I mean, because let's face it, the ring obviously is going to put, when you turn on the ring, you turn on the uh, the remote, and you're looking through the stations, you see or a six-sided ring, you don't know what you're seeing, and then yeah. when you realize it's wrestling, you're not saying, oh, it's not WWE. I, I got to say, WWE. I don't think they should spend 10 seconds anymore, any, another 10 seconds, uh, arguing about how many sides their, their ring has. I mean, the back exactly. and forth, the back and forth, and the other day, it doesn't matter. No, it does, now, uh, it does matter. It does matter to a degree. I mean, a wrestling ring has four corners. Like it I mean, matters to the workers. Yeah, I don't know if it matters to the Everything you do, audience. your camera, you know, it, it adds so much more. And you know, like some, because you'll see so many people getting into impact, especially the indies got like they just did the tapings in Ottawa, and they brought in some people who weren't contracted to to you know to have spots. Um, whereas some people who are contracted and were there were not used. And again, that's that's 
that's impact making mistakes, but you have somebody who's not used to a six-sided ring. They'll go to throw somebody into the ropes and realize midway through, you know, this is muscle memory. They, they know where they're going, but they actually have to throw them over here and they make these awkward adjustments and it looks terrible. And it's, there's the, the benefits are, are far, far outweighed by just like the clunkiness of that ring. You know, it, it does make a difference. So I agree completely with uh, with Papa Don on that one. You, you've worked. Uh, oh, they also, there, like right? I said, I worked with TNA when they were when they were still doing weekly pay per views when I was in the tag team called The Solution. Yeah. Was, uh, was, since then, I you know I, I did two pay per views. I worked the Harris Brothers one pay per view. It was actually the uh, dark match, whatever. And then the other time I worked Punk and De Niro. Was that the, the uh, six sided ring or was that a four sided ring? No, no, it was four sided. Okay. It was four. Four. still in Tennessee. Yeah. So uh, I think they need to invest in some great talent that they can put um, their time and effort and money behind that they know they can build a brand around. It uh, doesn't necessarily need to be guys that are just high flyers and flippity doodahs. And, and because, not, you know, like I said, Will Ospreay and, and, and Ricochet are two guys that are great and they could play, bring them in and build a company around them. But once they wrestle each other, then what? Yeah. What about the rest of the roster, you got to build an array of talent. Now, I think it's fine for all of us to say, go out and get, you know, so-and-so stars of the indie scene. I think one of the real challenges is that those stars, I, and I don't want to speak for all of them, but I think a lot of them um, would have nothing to do with, with Impact Wrestling. I, I think in a lot of cases, uh, the, the thought is, this is a step backward. Even for an independent wrestler, who is looking for TV exposure or national exposure? Uh, I, I I think a lot of them feel like going there. Uh, you could kind of I don't know. There's sort of a stain that comes with it, and uh, it's not unfounded. I mean, you could look at a lot of guys who who went there with some buzz off of the indie scene, and uh, their stock actually dropped. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned Davy Richards. The American Wolves were a red hot act. In, in Ring of Honor and in the indie scene, they went over to um, TNA and just kind of fell off the map. And that's happened with a number of guys. I think for certain guys uh, like Moose who went over there, I think that's a good move because he's a guy, a, a, a bigger guy who uh, I think could benefit from from that kind of platform. Maybe WWE wouldn't wouldn't be that interested in, uh, so, so it works for him. But I think... As much as I say, go out and get yourself a Ricochet and a Will Ospreay, I got to think that a Ricochet and a Will Ospreay might not be all that interested in going over there, even um, if the price was right. You might be right. That's why you got guys like Papadon. I mean, guys guys who have gimmicks and know how to work, you don't have to go with the guys who just do the flips and things like that um, that are are seen as like the big free agents. There are, uh, uh, I don't want to say this. I don't mean this this way, Papadon, but you know what I'm saying here. There are a ton of guys like him out there uh, uh, that are very, very good uh, on the independent scene and are veterans and can work who haven't really had those opportunities. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, Papadon is, is stuck in, in the same level as all those people, but there's a lot of people in the same circumstance. And if Impact or any company smart, you can go out and find those guys because those guys, they, they have not been overexposed. They're not limited in that. Once you've seen a Ricochet Osprey match, you know, a couple times, you've seen it and there's nothing else. There are guys like Papadon and many others that we write about in the 500, for example, who are just looking for that opportunity and they have a longer shelf life at potentially a lower price tag. 
and it could really help uh, rejuvenate a company like I that. I think that's kind of what they're doing now, and it's fine, uh, but but I don't think I, – I, I don't see that being the recipe for – for success i mean it it's sustainable because it keeps your your talent costs low uh but uh, unless you just happen to you know hit gold well, with a guy who just jumps a, a guy who comes to mind is like a pepper parks who who i know is a friend of yours uh, dan who who seems to fit that model a guy who's who's got a good look is a good hand in the ring goes over there um you could slot into a a, a program and he'll give you good matches and good tv time uh and he's fine he's he's really good but He's not going to, you know, turn your company around. I, I would well, disagree. No, I, hold I mean, on a second. I have to disagree. Go ahead. I have to go disagree. Ahead, I, know, I know Pepper. Uh, we've teamed together at, at CDW, and him and his wife are both great talent and great Absolutely. people. Absolutely. I'm, I'm not um, saying otherwise. I know, I know, I'm not saying you're saying that. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is this. You said the most, the most beneficial guy to come out of TNA was AJ Styles. Right? Yes. Okay. AJ got a little buzz, you know, Wrestling was zero one and Ring of Honor a little bit, but same thing with Christopher Daniels. But these guys were known as TNA guys. Why? Because TNA built them and made them homegrown guys. But TNA had a bigger audience then. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they had a million people or a half a million people watching. You build your own stars. You're going to make your own brand. And once you have your own brand and your own flavor of ice cream, People are going to tune in. They're going to want to watch that flavor yeah, of ice cream. Yeah, it, it, it's tough to because it's this catch-22, right? I mean, you need the, the stars to build the audience, but you could also argue that you, you need the audience to help create the stars, right? So, um, you know. Yes and no. With, with, yes what are no. they down depends, to, 200,000 people watching each week now? Even if uh, well, look, they stumbled on any talent who, who really could get over, I don't know. It's sort of the, the, the tree falling in the woods with nobody there to, to hear it, right? How many? Can I ask you another question then? How many other? How many other companies in the United States can say they have two hundred thousand people watching them every week? Ring of Honor could say they have a lot more than that. <laughs> okay, maybe one. Yeah. House of Hardcore yeah, oh, now. Oh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that's Twitch. it. I mean, it's it's. it's okay, so yeah. the, my point that I'm trying to make to you is this: we can't compare them to WWE. That's like comparing an apple to an orange. They need to find their own niche and they need to grow organically. When they do that, then they're going to become a self-sustained brand and they'll be able to prosper correctly with the proper marketing the proper advertising and the proper talent and the right booking and the right people behind the booking i think they'll do fantastic like i said you know get rid of the ring bring in some good guys that can work guys that can get over guys that, that can get your storylines over and and add something to the company you know like you said you uh, you know you've seen uh alberto and uh lashley they've already done it a million times you know i love Cena versus Orton, every match they've done has been phenomenal. Told a great story. But they've done 900 of them. I don't want to see another one. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, case right. in point, you know, you have to, you have to, you have to put some kind of, of trust and some kind of belief in your talent. Like you say in wrestling, you gotta, you want to be a star, you gotta act like a star because if you don't believe in yourself, the crowd's gonna see right through it and they're not gonna believe in you. Same thing with the wrestling company. If you're not going to invest in your talent and you're not going to give people opportunity that can help your brand grow and you're just going to bring in people from all different, you know, companies that are released because they have some kind of name behind them, guess what? It's not going to work. Yeah. How many guys from WWE went to Impact and nothing happened? You know, three weeks later, management changed. These guys left. Four weeks later, they brought someone else in. Oh, T left. 
or she left, or whatever the case may be. Look, wrestling's a revolving door. We all know that. People come and go left and right all the time. But the one thing that you need behind a company is a good business plan. Another real quick thing is that with the front office is, I think, a major problem with Impact. It has been since day one. And uh, I think that's the main thing. I would overhaul that before the roster. But that has been overhauled. I mean, it, the, it sounds like it's an entirely no, different but, front office than, than a year or two ago. It's, no, it's, it's not. I mean, it, because they still have the same problems. It's different people, but they're making the same mistakes. Now, the main thing is, um, think of this. In recent history, Impact or TNA had the Young Bucks on roster. They had Joey Ryan on roster. Um, and who was, and they had Okada, they had Okada. On, on the roster, <laughs> yeah. right? They had these guys and they're like, Oh no, we can't do anything with them. Like these three guys struggled to make opening card matches. If anything, Joey Ryan, they, they, at the end, they had him as a referee for the knockouts matches because they had no other spots for him. The, the company has not been able to recognize talent, even when it's right in front of their face. They're, they're doing it now. They've got Trevor Lee, who's Sutter. one of the most talked about yeah. guys on, on the indies. And, you know, he's buried in, in these uh, exhibition matches, really going nowhere. And uh, exactly. you hear the reviews of, of the Trevor Lee outside of Impact. It's a different guy. So that's what I think that they need to make a change. And it's not on the workers in that case. And I, I think if you have a company that can recognize talent and, and give these guys the ability to do what they can do, I think it'll lift things up uh, a lot quicker than just bringing in other outside names and, and hoping that they attract fans for the, the quick spike. Yeah. Yeah. The, a good segue to, to the next promotion I, I wanted uh, to cover. And as I mentioned, we're going to have Cody here uh, in, in just a moment. Ring of Honor, in some ways, is kind of the, the anti-TNA. Uh, um, they, in, in their formative years, did not have the big money back or did not have the television deal, did not have the high production value, and have grown fairly consistently. I think it's because they're getting the... Um the rub from New Japan. I think they also have, like you said, they have a lot of young talent uh, that are being developed and they're trying to put some kind of uh, um, initiative behind and they're trying to invest in new faces. Um, there's, let's face it, they got, they got the Bullet Club and yep. everyone in the, in the United States are, are, are fans of, of the Bullet Club. I mean, they, these guys are selling, I mean, the Young Bucks, God bless them, man. They they got cease and desist letters, and they made money off a cease and desist T-shirt. Yeah. It's just pure marketing genius. You know what I'm saying? So, and plus the thing is, they, these guys they can work. You know what I'm saying? I've been in the ring with them. I've been Cody Rhodes can work. You know, Adam uh, Hangman, Adam he can work. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all these guys can work. It's not like it's just guys in a T-shirt. You know what I'm saying? These guys can go, and there's a lot of guys in the company that go, and there's a rich rich history which is the exact opposite of TNA. They have a, a track record of talented individuals that um, were, were looked upon as great um, workers. And, you know, they were the ones that built this company on their backs, you know, from Nigel Beginners to Brian Danielson mm -hmm. to Loki to Homicide to Samoa Joe or Aries, on and on and on and on. I mean, the American Wolves, too. You know what I'm saying? So, so you can argue that Ring of Honor has the best track record of creating stars of any promotion over the last 20 years, including WWE, because so many WWE stars were created by, by Ring of Honor. Who is one person, I was going to say guy, but it could be male or female, 
uh, one wrestler uh, to watch, and you can't pick yourself, Papadon, uh, on the the independent scene right now. Who who is a um, somebody you should have your eye on as a a real star in the future? I'll, I'll begin with Dan. You're putting me on the spot, big time. <laughs> um, You're right because I know you but, could come up with a, a dozen names in in seconds. Uh, uh, right. Well, come to mind. but yeah. I, well, number one, I'll say Caitlin Diamond, uh, who was my traveling partner, you know, over the past few days. But she's a good friend of mine, but also somebody who I, I really think is at that stage where she's about to take a, a step up. Uh, you know, she's right at that cusp of, you know, she could do Ring of Honor. She could do Lucha. She could do the Impact. She could do NXT. Uh, so I, I put her up there. Josh Briggs, uh, I was very impressed by his match. Um, again, I, I've only seen a little bit from him. But the thing is, that's what's great about the Indies is it doesn't have to be one guy who, who, who catches the buzz. You can go to a show, and you can find those diamonds in the rough. And, uh, you know, they're, as long as they're going to keep at it and persist, uh, they can make it to that next level. So uh, Caitlin Diamond and, and Josh Briggs are two that, that come to mind pretty quickly. Yeah, how about you, Papadon? In, in your case, you, you have a different perspective. Kind of upset, you, Dan, didn't you work with me. Them. What's that? You're already there, man. You're already there. You're <laughs> no, a super, not- former Super 8. You're a former Super 8 champion. Come on. <laughs> you broke my heart, Fredo. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got the perspective uh, of not just watching from ringside, but actually sharing a ring with these guys. So, uh, you know, I, I imagine there are guys who have a ton of buzz who maybe you don't think that much of. Who, who is somebody who maybe is not that much on the radar that, that – either you've seen work or you've worked with and you see something really special in. Um, honestly, there's a, there's, I can say five guys off the top of my head right now that, that I can, I can see are, are, are going to be stars. Um, one of them is Alex Reynolds. John I thought you Silver. would mention him first and, and yeah, I know him a little bit too. And, and yeah, he's fantastic. Um, Alex Chamberlain from Florida. He used to be the Paragon heavyweight champion. Um, I don't know if Paragon's still running. Um, Mike Verna from New York. Uh, he calls himself the Man of Steel. Um, there, there's uh, uh, the guy wrestled Brody King this past weekend. He's definitely a superstar on the rise. Um, and uh, Martin Stone, but he's already kind of signed to oh, WWE yeah. from what I understand. He's a real good worker, and I would love to get he's in the terrific. ring with him. We'd def- yeah, we'd definitely tear it up. Um Female wise, uh, there's a um, uh, uh, there's a couple girls, uh, Savannah from um, from uh, North Carolina. She's really good. Uh, she was trained by George South. Um, um, Willow Nightingale from NYWC. She's very good. And I'm not just saying that because she's from NYWC, but she has something to her. She has that 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 femme fatale, you know, feminism, you know, women rights, but strong style mix. It's weird. Uh, thank you both. Uh, I think I have the right two guys to have this discussion with. Uh, Papadon, hope to get you back on before too long. Anything you want to promote, a show or social media, anything like that? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, my last two shows for the year from what I think, unless I pick up another one on the way this Saturday, I'll be at Dynasty Pro Wrestling. Um out in uh, upstate New York. And then at the end of the month, uh, the 23rd, I'll be at NYWC in Deer Park. Um, and I think that's basically it for the year as far as shows go. Um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at Greek God Papadon, on Facebook, Demetrius Papadon, 
Um, I do a podcast every week with uh, Steven, uh, Stevie Richards, Bin Hamin, and Big Sal Graziano from, from the FBI. We do a conspiracy theory podcast, so it's four wrestlers talking about conspiracy theories. If we call ourselves a conspiracy horseman, you guys can follow us on uh, on Podbean, on uh, iTunes. We have a Twitch live Twitch feed that we do every time we do the podcast. We're doing it tomorrow, uh, about 6.15, 6.30 is when we start, uh, last couple hours. It's a lot of fun. We talk a little inside baseball. We make fun of each other. We bust each other's chops. We talk about conspiracy theories. So it's definitely, it's definitely uh, something to check out. Hit up my pro wrestling tea store as well, uh, Greek God Papadon, and my YouTube page, Greek God Papadon. Excellent. And, and Dan, oh, yeah. And support the PWI. Support the PWI because PWI will always be there for professional wrestling. I remember going through it when I was a little kid, and uh, you know I'm honored to be that I've I, that I've been in it numerous times, and, and it's definitely something on the bucket list. I was glad to be able to ch- uh, cross off and continue to cross off. Uh, hopefully, I'm in it more often later on <laughs> down the road in my career. Now you can cross um, off being and, on the uh, PWI podcast. Well, I definitely did that, and also doing the Cub Scout thing that another another came off the bucket list. And now the only thing that's left is to be on the cover, be the first independent wrestler to be on the cover of the PWI. That'd be great. We'll and, talk and, to Stu about it. But um, uh, well, my good looks, you guys have sold a million copies. Come on, the sexiest Greek wrestler there is. Uh, Gyros for everybody. Extra white sauce. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, and just support good independent wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Independent wrestling is the lifeline and the bloodline of this business future. And without the people coming out and showing us support, there'll be no future. Yeah, yeah. And Dan, you're doing your part, obviously, supporting the indies uh, every weekend, it seems. And uh, you've got uh, your book, right? Uh, you want to tell uh, fans about that? Yeah, well, the Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, it's the history of women's pro wrestling. It's available on Amazon at any reputable bookseller or at ecwpress.com. And and Papadon really nailed it, man. The future is, 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 you know, the fans need to support independent wrestling and whether you've got, you know, 50 fans there or 700 or, you know, these, the ring of honor type shows, I mean, it, it's worth going to checking it out and finding those diamonds in the rough because you'll find guys like Papadon that you'll, you'll leave the show and like say, I remember that guy. I want to see that guy again. And that's, uh, that's really what the, the core of pro wrestling is supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. Uh, right now, let's hear from the Ring of Honor heavyweight champion heading into final battle. Uh, he is none other than the American Nightmare, Cody. Thanks so much for uh, joining me here. I want to talk a bit, a bit about uh, the big show, Final Battle. I used to go to them every year at, at the uh, the Manhattan Center, and um, you're headlining this year. Could you talk a bit about, um, you know, you've had a number of big matches in, in this kind of second chapter uh, of your career, how does this rank headlining um, one of, if not the biggest show of the year for Ring of Honor as their heavyweight champion? Well, it's been Ring of Honor's uh, most successful year in the history of the company. Uh, and that's in terms of, you know, fan enjoyment, but also in terms of the bottom and, you know, the bottom line dollars and cents. And that was my debut at Ring of Honor at Final Battle a year ago. So the idea that I get to be the main event, that I'm headlining the event, and that I'm going on last is not lost on me. It's every pro wrestler, boy or girl, every everybody's dreams. And uh, 
it's also incredibly tough spot, but I, like I said, it's everybody's dream. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of over the moon. I've done a lot of interviews this morning where that question keeps getting asked of me. And I, I said, it's not lost on me, but maybe it was a little lost on me. And now I'm starting to get like, Oh, nervous about it because it, it's, you know, it's a dream come true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny. You talking about uh, the, the great year that ring of honor uh, has had. And it sort of strikes me that, you and Ring of Honor um, share this thing in common uh, that is showing that there is uh, success to be had outside uh, of WWE, mm-hmm. uh, both as a wrestler and as a wrestling promotion uh, in Ring of Honor. And both of you kind of bucking the trend, bucking the idea that it's either WWE or or you're you know not making any money. And sure. uh, as you said, Ring of Honor is having this tremendous year, both in, in your case and Ring of Honor's case, what what is that formula um, to to prove that yeah there's there's money to be made here? Well, uh, not to you know give a real goody two shoes answer, but hard work. Um, hard work is right now in this kind of the most transparent the entertainment industry has ever been, and that's across the board. Um, they no longer accept what's put in front of them as a consumer, myself included. We no longer just accept. Uh, we know now the world is a smaller place because of social media. Um, we know what really is good and what really isn't. And the Ring of Honor always was known for its in-ring acumen, and that's wonderful. And, and it's combined now. Uh, with the journey that I'm on, but particularly like the formula, it's not exactly the answer to your question, but it's, it kind of is. The formula for this to work is me plus Matt plus Nick plus Marty plus Hangman. Uh, mm-hmm. This group has such out like crazy chemistry as a unit. Um, I don't even know if we're friends. I think we're all friends, but I, I know... <laughs> I know that there's this kind of unflinching, non-questionable, um, symbiotic nature between us that it, it makes for really entertaining segments and really just makes for great entertainment. So we kind of, we look at it as that it's almost like we're some sort of band. Uh, and we've never been, I'd never been part of an ensemble group. I've been part of Legacy but Legacy was about kind of Randy more than it was about us. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, I, I've been in, you know, a group here and there, but this is, like, fresh to me. Uh, so seeing how far we can take it is really exciting. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the goals you guys have apparently said, it was it was big news, I guess, last week or the week before that, is this talk of, of running a 10,000-seat uh, arena. And the word is that this is really your baby and, and Matt and Nick's and not necessarily um, a ring of honors. Can can you talk a bit uh, about that? And you know, I'm sure that a lot of people would say you're not, you can never pull this off. But they were saying that a couple of years ago, right? When when you left WWE and and certain mm-hmm. people saying that's a ring of honor um, for years and years. So uh, can you talk a bit about that and and how realistic a goal that is? Well, um, I don't. I've been told it's not a very realistic goal. Uh, that's what I've been told. Um, but it's not so much about proving things wrong as much as it's about proving things right. Uh, I'm 
very confident in what me, Matt, and Nick want to do. And we had gotten far long enough in the process that that's why I commented on the original story, and that's why um, I'm there's no bones about it. All in happens in 2018. We're we're getting near the point of actually finding a, a date and finding a place that's suitable for everybody. Um, and and the great thing is Ring of Honor has given it such a signal boost. Uh, I think I think that people have asked a lot, like why why did you make the decision to sign with Ring of Honor? I think that may be really it is the fact that they they have a lot of confidence in me as a as a wrestler, sure, but a lot of confidence in me as a businessman. Um, I think they've seen the initiative I've taken uh, with my own personal brand and, and how professional I, I go about doing it because this is a job as well as it is a passion. And um, they've given this a signal boost. They haven't bucked back on all in at all. If anything, they've helped it. And the guys behind the scenes, Greg and Joe, um, you know, we can't do it without, I mean, we're, we're who we are. So hell, we might put up a fight and try, but it's been very helpful to have their support. Uh, in this in this show, you know, me, Matt, and Nick are self-financing uh, this event and uh, taking the risk, and um, we're gonna have a damn good time uh, and swing for the fences, like I said. What do you need to make that show successful? One thing strikes me is you need a a hell of a big match, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, is that something you're already thinking about and, and starting to put together? Well, we've been kind of careful. The three of us working together, we've been careful about just bringing in a massive name or bringing in legends and things of that nature because this all stemmed from the fact that we were having these really successful shows with the group of us, with the you know the the five of us I was talking about. We've been having these these fun you know kind of bullet club parties, the Global Wars tour. Uh, the Best in the World show, um, Death Before Dishonor, they've all been so bullet club and the sea of merchandise that's flowing. So we wanted to put as much of this on us on ourselves as possible. Uh, so when we looked at matches and as we continue to look at matches, it's a totally blank card. We have ideas, but uh, I don't want people to get the wrong idea. We're not, we're not going to run a 10,000-seat arena and slap a bunch of names on it that aren't our own if that makes any sense. We want to mm-hmm. see that we can do this ourselves. Uh, and that might, you know, that might lead to some fun matches with uh, Matt and Nick versus people that you weren't expecting and myself versus people you weren't expecting. But uh, we're very careful about, like, the first thing everyone says, admittedly, the first thing when this story broke was you got to get CM Punk. I love CM Punk. The fans never gave up on CM Punk. If CM Punk wants to be part of All In, he can be part of All In, but I am not putting it on him to draw those 10,000 seats. If we did have CM Punk, we wouldn't tell you we had CM Punk because this is about this is about us, unless we were unless we didn't sell any tickets. Um, but, but this is about us doing this and proving proving what we can do. Um, yeah. So that that that's the scary part, but also the exciting part. But we'll actually sit down um, this week. We go to the UK, um, you know, Rep Pro and Discovery and OTT. So we'll sit down this week and we'll start. The process begins this week um, on, on putting this thing together and, you know, and putting on this new, these new hats for us, these promoter hats. So we're, yeah. we're going to give it a shot. CM Punk is one that you hear. The other one I've heard a lot is Daniel Bryan. 
Yeah. Uh, is, is that in the back of your head? I mean, is that something that obviously there's all kinds of logistical loopholes that you'd have to uh, jump through, but uh, is, is that something that kind of piques your interest? Well, for sure, because Dan is a friend of mine, um, and uh, he's he's the best type of wrestler there is. He's the best of all of us. He's a great person, and he's a great performer, and that's the bond he has uh, with the fans. Uh, but I want him to be happy. If he wants to wrestle, uh, I want him to – it doesn't matter where. He can come wrestle for us. He can wrestle for WWE. I, the main thing, I want Dan to be happy and healthy. Uh, but uh, I know that, you know, I know Dan knows – what we're thinking and when we're thinking. Um, so if uh, that's something that would, if we could, that would be a, that would be a wonderful match. Uh, and I think it'd be wonderful to do it for the Ring of Honor World Title, uh, being that he has such roots with the company kind of of old, and the company today doesn't look anything like it used to look. Um, so I think that'd be interesting. But we're exploring all kinds of options, all kinds of options, and and we're definitely one of the great things about this is the amount of uh, independent talent that reached out to us and literally i don't know how many texts i got that said i'm all in and uh <laughs> and that's that's really exciting to see your community reach out and and say they want to be part of something and uh at first the first couple we were like oh yeah that guy for sure that guy but then we got so many it became like uh i don't know <laughs> i don't know maybe we have to do two of these who knows but uh, so yeah it's cool to, to be clear, would this be a, a Ring of Honor promoted show, or would it be individual, independently promoted by by you and and Nick and Matt featuring some Ring of Honor talent? I think um, Ring of Honor has been so helpful, and they have uh, they're they're you know we're exclusive to Ring of Honor domestically, so th- this is something they're they're giving us the uh, they're kind of giving us their their giving us a real wide berth on this, but Ring of Honor will definitely be heavily involved. Uh, or I think, I'd hope they'd be heavily involved with a lot of the things they're getting ready to roll out after final battle. Um, the, the, the only thing for sure about all in is that the, the element of me, Matt and Nick are going to self finance it. Um, that is, is important to us to do and to take that responsibility on our own. But Ring of Honor will be a huge part of this. So what constitutes uh, a success uh, on Metro Battle promoting a show that, you know, we don't, we don't know when it's happening, when you've got sure. a final battle coming up, and we'll get back to it. But, but um, you know, I can I can go and mortgage my house and maybe somebody else's house and go rent a 10,000-seat arena mm-hmm. today. Um, the, the issue is filling it, right? So mm-hmm. what constitutes a, a success? Are you guys – is, is the plan to sell the place out, to, to put 10,000 people in the building? Or if you got 5,000 people, would you be happy with that? Um, I don't know. I can't speak for man Nick, but for me, uh, I have a dollar bet with Dave Meltzer, and I will be pretty pissed if I don't get my dollar. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a big believer in saying something and then doing it. Uh, it actually, I think, has garnered me quite a few critics is that I'm really boastful. Uh, but one of the things about being boastful is that at the current state, there's nothing I have said that I haven't done. So I said we were going to put 10,000 people in this arena in 2018, and I'm saying it again. So that's the goal. It's a success to me if we put 10,000 people in the arena. Yeah, yeah. So you just touched on it, sort of, you're the guy who, who says what he's going to do, and then you got to do it. 
it's everybody remembers the list you put out uh, mm-hmm. within two or three years, uh, uh, the kind of your, your wrestling bucket list, and I know how much I guess it's pretty much checked off, right? Uh, I don't know if all the way through, but most of the way through. Um, going going back to that uh, uh, day, uh, can you kind of talk about your your mindset then? Was it were you as confident then as as you are uh, now, or now having already achieved some of the success? Can you look back and candidly say? Yeah, I was scared out of, out of my mind um, whether this was going to happen uh, or not. You know, what was the confidence level back then? I actually, I think I was too naive about the uh, independent scene. I knew the scene was incredibly hot uh, and ex- incredibly accessible, but I didn't know. I, I was naive about the level of talent. I like I. I'm saying I knew there was great talent out there. But you don't really know until you get in the ring with somebody uh, like a Sammy Callahan, for example, or like a like a Chris Hero at the time of uh, you know PWG, or a Zack Saber Jr. or some of the initial you know opponents I had uh, on the scene, uh, or a guy like Pentagon. Um, you don't know until you know, and uh, that uh, that's why at the time I was so confident. Looking back. Um, I probably would have been a little scared, but I think that was the, uh, I think that was the benefit of, you know, I had just, just come off of making a major life choice. I didn't have time to be scared. Uh, like, like going into final battle, going into this year for ring of honor. I don't have time to be scared. It does nothing for me. Yeah. Well, what does it mean to your, your career and your legacy that you are now held up as kind of the poster boy for, for going it out, uh, going out on your own? And um, something of a, a role model for other wrestlers. Uh, again, to show them you don't, you know, you don't need to to be in a place that you don't enjoy. And really, in that sense, people in any line of work, right? I yeah. Mean, if, if you if you don't like what you're doing, don't be afraid to venture out there. Yeah, I uh, that I get a, a lot of like tweets that are people like, hey, after ten years, I left my job, and uh, I, you know, I'm not sure what I have next, but I think I have this, and you know, I, you know, you inspired me. I, some of that stuff terrifies me. Uh, mm-hmm. But so people land, you know, flat on their face, right? Yeah, but but I could have landed flat on my face. A lot of this had to do with smart choices, but also the people who I aligned myself with, uh, and I got very lucky in regards to the group of folks uh, I've been with. I I said it the other day. I I had the best parents in the world growing up. They they were they were the type that you can do anything. They were not realist in a sense. They they believed that if you set your mind to it, you can do anything. And I choose to maintain that type of lifestyle. I had an absolutely outstanding run with WWE, multiple titles, met my wife, uh, made the walk at WrestleMania uh, multiple times, uh, just outstanding time. But in the last few years there, I was kind of deemed undesirable. And it was my goal and my wish to become undeniable. And as greedy as I am, once you become undeniable, then to run up the score and leave no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, you know, if it's a chip on my shoulder or any, anymore or if it's the actual world title that's on my shoulder, but that's still my mindset. Uh, yeah. And plenty of people in any job, it doesn't have anything to do with wrestling. Uh, if they feel that they're they're not being used to their potential. This is the time. This is our, our generation, especially go for it. You know, yeah. th- there's 
you know, no pun intended, there's an American dream out there, mm-hmm. and it's for everybody, not just for, you know, a select few. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you, and you touched on it. I think a lot of people, and maybe you've said as much, um, a lot of people took your, uh, your, your exodus from WWE and this kind of venture that, that you set out on as sort of a tribute uh, uh, to your dad. It, mm-hmm. Were it not for your, your dad's uh, passing, do you think you'd still be in WWE? No. Either way, um, you, you would have, you think. Yeah, you I was out. Done. I was out the door, and and he was he was trying to help me kind of get out the door, um, a few years before I even decided to leave because I think you just saw the saw that it was you know I was kept on playing, but it was breaking my heart on a weekly basis. And I know he wished that I had uh, not loved wrestling as much because mm-hmm. then it wouldn't have mattered to me as much. But I did love it so much, and. It just because you love something and and it's not it doesn't love you back sometimes it can be really heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you ever look back on on and I know there were frustrations um, over the years there, but looking back, uh, were you ever too confident? I mean, do you ever think that? Oh yeah, I remember oh, an yeah. interview that you cut with WWE. This was maybe 2010 or 2011. I remember it being outdoors, maybe it was a, a WrestleMania weekend or something, and you telling. The interviewer uh, that you were, you felt you were ready for a, a world title run. Um, yeah. And again, this is when you were very much sort of in, in the mid card. I remember a lot of people thinking, really? You know, I don't, I don't think so. Um, looking back, what, was that overconfidence, or, or were you ready then? At the time, um, I think around the time uh, I was getting groomed for the world title on SmackDown. Yeah. Uh, when I went from the dashing to the undashing phase, and I think perhaps I. I, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't spend a lot of time looking at it, but I definitely know that I was incredibly uh, confident. And I don't think that my in-ring skill was up to the level of my confidence. That I can say. Um, but it wasn't showing on WWE programming. It wasn't. Um, I, was, I was running on all cylinders and, and grabbing every brass ring, uh, but I might have been in a bit of a bubble as well because SmackDown wasn't the most heavily watched show. Um, and the, uh, the maybe, maybe it was that. Maybe it was kind of I was uh, becoming a bigger fish, but it wasn't the biggest pond. Um, who knows? Uh, but yeah. I'm definitely, definitely very, very confident. Uh, and I think that's kind of shaped how I am today. I feel I'm very self-aware today because at that time, I was under the impression I'm being groomed for this role and I'm knocking it out of the park, there's no way it doesn't happen. And then guess what? It didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. So yeah. now I'm, I'm much more self-aware uh, that this industry is not, is not like, uh, like any other industry. Yeah, yeah. And, and as far as that confidence, I think the first time uh, a lot of people saw it was at your, your Father's Hall of Fame induction. I, I was there in, in uh, Detroit for that. Yeah. And I remember – and it was – First time most people even saw you, and it was just, you mm-hmm. know, Goldust's little brother. Um, and you were the talk coming out of that speech, right? And everybody's like, wow, this, this guy's got something. Did, uh, I know it was a special night for you and your family because of your father's induction, but, but did you feel something that night that something, some light went on or something uh, uh, that, that you caught people's attention? No, I, I, I was surprised after when, you know, Vince wanted to meet with me and, and they, there was all this chatter about it. I was surprised, uh, but uh, but for me, it wasn't about that. Was about my dad that night, and the goal was 
um, it wasn't about cutting a promo. It was about talking about him. But with Dusty, Dusty's the greatest speaker, you know, orator in the history of our business. And he's, you have to, you have to give a good speech. If you're talking about the guy who gives the best speeches, you have to give a good speech. So that's kind of the way I looked at it. I just didn't want to, uh, you know, kind of come in understated for a guy who's going to come out here and, you know, give a total sermon. So that was the only, that was how my mindset going in. And then after I was really shocked, uh, especially as a kid and, you know, as 20 years old, um, as a, as a kid, I didn't know all these people coming up to me the next day and thanking me and telling me, you know, all these guys who I respect and I'm blown away by, I, I was, I was, I was, I was really, uh, it really was a unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. What was your favorite time uh, there? I know as, as a fan watching um, your your short run with your brother uh, teaming that the match you guys had with with your dad there uh, that was as big a pop I've heard in kind of the modern era um, ever was that uh, is that among the highlights or the highlight for you your time there? Uh no, no, not even <laughs> not even not even close. Um, but. That was, uh, I mean, the battleground match is particularly just a really, really special moment. But uh, Dustin and I didn't want to team together. We 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 love each other and we're brothers. But ask any other brother, uh, you know, I, I guess Matt and Nick may be the exception. Not all brothers want to work together consistently, and we're very different. He thinks things I do suck. I think things he do suck. Like <laughs> we're very different. We love each other and I'm blown away by his career. But for me, the, the best time, um, you know, was, was singles, singles, me intercontinental title for mm-hmm. sure was, was the time I enjoyed the most. And that is actually a testament to my brother because it's a crutch to have gold dust out there. He's a legend already. He's a star. He's proven himself. Uh, I can't ride off his coattails. Same with the reason I don't, you know, wear, you know, on, I don't wear polka dot trunks and have bleach blonde hair. I can't ride Dusty's coattails. Um, it, the, those guys are already over. Mm-hmm. It's, it's up for, it's up to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So talking about people who are over your, your opponent at, at final battle, uh, Dalton mm-hmm. Castle, who, who I got to interview a number of weeks ago for, uh, a feature in the current PWI magazine. Another guy, supremely confident, super charismatic, great talker, and and this spot has has always been a big deal. It's been kind of a star making uh, uh, sure kind of spot, right? Being the challenger for the ROH title at at Final Battle. W- what are your thoughts on him as a performer? What his upside is? You know, when he first and I talked to him about this movie. It first came out. A lot of people kind of. You know, rolling their eyes at the gimmick. This doesn't really, you know, this isn't WWE. I don't know how this flies here, but he's more than made it work over the last couple of years. So again, what what do you think his upside is? Uh, right now, his upside is that he's just popular enough that he garners no criticism. You mm-hmm. you you're at a point where you as you're trending upwards and you're rising and growing, that everyone is behind you, and then the moment you hit mainstream is when all of a sudden uh, it becomes kind of a mo-money, mo-problems thing, if that yeah. makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, everyone from Steve Austin to The Rock, everybody, you know, and even bands, everybody's up there, right? Yeah, when you go from being kind of the underground thing to the mainstream thing. Yes, and I think this is um, 
you know, Dalton's had a shot at the world title before, but this is this is the biggest night of Dalton's career uh, to be in the, you know, as you put it, star-making position of a final battle main event to, to go on last. And um, I think it's a different type of year. Uh, I think I think Dalton has to do everything he can to keep up. We're moving so fast. Uh, and we've brought Ring of Honor full speed. And when I say we, I mean me, Matt, Nick, Marty Hangman, that group. We're moving so fast. Um, I hope Dalton can keep up uh, for yeah. everybody, for the fans and for Ring of Honor. And, you know, um, yeah, he's he's in a great position. He's at that point where uh, he's not lit up enough that any of his flaws are exposed. But uh He's under the big lights in the hardest market in the world in New York City, and uh, only we'll, we'll see then uh, how it goes. Yeah. Let, let me ask you about that, that market. And, and uh, being here in New York, I'm always interested in, in asking wrestlers about what it means to them working in New York. I wonder if your case is different because of, of your, your family and your background. Was, and I know your dad worked in the Garden some, uh, but it, it wasn't sort of the home base. So – did, did New York City and Madison Square Garden and this whole thing mean as much uh, to you coming up in the business? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, Dusty had a lot of opinions, and he would go back and forth, but uh, that's the greatest point in his career. If you asked, if you had asked him, you know, with the superstar Billy Graham, multiple sellouts, the, the way he would paint the picture for me as a little kid, uh, the cops on horseback, the Studio 54 visit, uh, the celebrities, the Andy Warhol encounter, the story he would paint, which I came to find out most of these stories he would paint were, were pretty much all true. And then even on his uh, mantle in his bedroom was the picture of him holding the WWWF title up um, after the first one where, you know, Superstar, I believe, had been counted out. or You know, Dusty won the champion's advantage. He didn't keep the title. So that's how much it meant to him. Here's this guy who had created events and won the world championship three times. But uh, this night in the garden was the night that I think he felt the most like a star. So it's always meant, and, you know, obviously my family is deeply tied into New York Yankees baseball too. So there's like, there's this deep affinity for New York uh, from my family. And I've never, it's never been lost on me uh, what it means. If you can make it there uh, a few years ago, Actually, more than a few years ago, there was a Survivor Series where I, I walked out and I was blown away by my reaction. And um, that afterwards, uh, one of the greatest of all time, The Rock, he actually said, man, that's good stuff. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And uh, I always remembered that. I, you know, I knew it, and then I really knew it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time, man. This was a real pleasure, and uh look forward to seeing you here in, in New York with uh, Dalton, and next year, wherever it is, uh, hopefully surrounded by 10,000 people. Yeah, man. Thank you very much. Yeah. Okay, man. Have a good one. Appreciate it. You too. Take care.